Hello, I'm Emily Grace, and welcome to the Stages podcast of Bernstein Private Wealth Management. Life throws lots of stuff at you. We're here to talk about it. Having helped families prioritize what makes money meaningful for them and then invest for that purpose for close to 20 years now, I've seen people through many markets and many life events. And while every market is different, what remains constant is the need for guidance and advice through all the uncertainty. I feel lucky to be able to help people navigate these markets and to be able to introduce them to some of the smartest investment minds and experts in other fields, whatever the stage in their life. If you or someone you know would like my advice or an introduction to my guest, you can reach me at emily.grace at bernstein.com. Today, I've invited Caroline Polisi, partner at Pierce Bainbridge in the areas of white collar and federal criminal defense to join me on stage. Caroline has been recognized by super lawyers as a rising star in the field of white-collar criminal defense and frequently appears on CNN, CBS, and Fox News to analyze federal legal issues. Caroline, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited that, you, that you're here because, I guess, as a criminal defense attorney, how, how did you make the transition or how did you end up <laughs> as a legal analyst on channels, you know, like CNN, Fox News. Yeah, so I um, I had been defending a case, a very big case in the Eastern District of New York, which was the largest healthcare fraud conspiracy in the history of the United States, the allegation was. Wow. And um, we, my partner and I, we achieved an acquittal. It was a multi-defendant case. Um, and I don't know if you know much about healthcare fraud, but basically... Um, in this particular instance, the allegation that the government was alleging was that there was a conspiracy basically to overbill Medicare and Medicaid to um, – I won't get into all the That's facts. That's a big but business, though. It is a big business, and it was you know millions of dollars. So I don't know if you've ever seen the show. We, we got an acquittal for our client. Um, I don't know if you've ever Did seen the, the show. Did the other clients get acquittals? No. no. Okay. If you've ever seen the, the show American Greed, yep. um, it's on CNBC. So they contacted us and said, we want to do a story on this, um, this scheme and, you know, your involvement in the case. And um, that was my first uh, ever experience with television. And they came, they interviewed me, they interviewed my partner. We went over sort of, you know, we went in depth in terms of the, the government's um, allegations and, and the, the, the burden of proof and, and everything like that. And then, you Were know, you in nervous? the show... I was nervous, but I thought it was hysterical. Then they, when the show aired, it was like they did a background montage of us, like for, like paging through a few, a few pages. You know, we had gone in. We thought we were really going to get down and, and dirty down. into the nitty gritty, but it ended up being um, not at all like that. Anyway, the the producer of that show said, "Hey, have you ever thought about doing television? I think you'd be great." And um, I was at a point in my life where I had just finished. That trial, I had just had my second child, um, and I thought to myself, I really don't think I can handle another two-month trial. This, I love my job. I love what I do, but I'm looking to scale back a little bit. Um, I had two kids at the time, young kids at the time. I still only have two kids, but <laughs> they, were, they were much younger at the time. And so I thought if I could pivot into um, media, then maybe that would be a better work-life balance. And it has actually been. And I do both now. Um, I just do less actual practicing of the law. Not do you that- do more sort of advising there? or 
Um, no, I just do fewer cases. Okay. So, for example, I'm at I, I'm a, yeah, and I'm what's called a, a flex time in, in the law. We we a lot of women do um, what's called flex time. So I'm yes. at like a seventy percent schedule, which roughly translates into billable hours. Again, as an attorney, we're always talking about billable hours. They're um, kind of like 2,000 number, 2,500 yeah, number. Yeah, and it, it, the, the, the legal industry is changing a lot in that um, it's really only the AMLAW top 100 firms that are on a billable model anymore. So okay. typically my clients, I give them flat fee arrangements. So the, 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 the billable hour is not that... Um, Crazy. Yeah, and... You know, there are you can debate about the the adequacy of the billable model. But anyway, I probably bill like 20 hours a week these days. Okay, yeah. And then spend the rest of your time. Yes. Doing these doing on air. Yeah. Media. And so so the producer of this show, American Greed, said you would be really good at this. Yeah. You should do it. And he gave me the names of some um, producers at Fox. And once you do one show, people are always looking for. Um, new talent and also also being a woman in my field is pretty unique um, so I think television producers are always looking for um, people that aren't necessarily what you'd expect so the old the old white guy you know yep. they're looking for somebody else so I I kind of fit that bill so <laughs> so I just did more and more and you picked up the phone and said hi or Hi, yeah, some, my name is Caroline, and yep, yeah. Oh, I, I, I yeah, I forwarded them to you know my firm's website, and and um, I think when I really got it started, you know, it happened to be as as you know, and life timing is everything. But yeah. um, I happened I happened to do exactly what you know was going on in the news at that point, which was which is smaller. What, yes, and- exactly. So <laughs> that's kind of my wheelhouse, um, and so I had expertise in that in that area, and really once you were coming in educated. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And now I actually do more um, more writing than just because I, I it's it's easier in terms of scheduling. I can um, do Is it this like for for CNN. I write for CNN opinion for their pieces. website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So go to CNN.com if you want yeah, to read what Caroline yes. has yes. to say. Opinions, not journalists. Just <laughs> <laughs> not journalism. People always, you know, say, well, you know, th- I just wanted to clarify. It's my opinion, not Caroline's opinion. <laughs> yes. There we go. Yeah. Now, when you first got started, so you made the phone call. They yeah. Said, Who's the first person who had you on or what what show? I think my my. I think the first show to have me on was actually Fox. Okay. So you I go was on, on Fox. Neil Cavuto, but I was talking about something I did not – you know, the, the the nature of television, it's not like, oh, you know, I see that you have this experience. We'll have you on next Tuesday at 4 p.m. It, it's 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 like, oh, my gosh, you know, in 20 minutes we need somebody to talk about this. And, um, you know, our 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 booked guest just pulled out or something. So, you know, I, for the first like three months that I did it, I was so B-list that it was always like I was always the last resort, like, like every, <laughs> literally every other person that could possibly be on television has canceled. Said no. So yeah, exactly. So, um, would you please rush over to the studio right now and do it? And I would always do it for the and first three months. I said, you yes. Build yourself up. Right? Yes. And you now I'm there when they need you. Exactly. And so that those three months was in probably more like six months actually, where I would drop everything to go. And now I have a much more, um, a little more control yes, over exactly, it. They, exactly. They know they've got to they've got to woo you. Right. Exactly. They've got to woo exactly. you. Now, when you first got started and you were dropping everything and running over there, yeah. what were the biggest mistakes that you made when you when you first got started or 
did you just go in perfect knowing exactly what to do and perfect every time of course next question just kidding just kidding and oh no of course not um I the feedback I would consistently get from my first several to I'd say probably 50 appearances was that I needed sadly that I needed to dumb it down and that I needed to know my audience so I was I would that get up so there sad. and it is it is I mean it's it's not when you, so you know I have thus far in my career only interacted with other lawyers so yes. if, you know I use terminology that other lawyers would understand so on and cable I'm news it's a little similar to I think I've heard that with uh with dramas or comedies, they're supposed to be written so that people can be multitasking and oh, still follow along. And yeah, I guess, in yes. a sense, when people are watching these shows, sometimes they're multitasking. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Dumb so, it down. Ex- yeah. I mean, so also the, the the format of cable news is is insane. It's unlike the real world where you can have actually have a conversation with somebody, actually listen to what they're saying, and have a back and forth. Cable news is like you know you get a 15 second time block of um, a, a talking point and you have a producer yelling in your ear, wrap it up, wrap it up. I don't really, even if you're, you know, you're oh just, goodness. you're just beginning to like lay the foundation of your argument and you have a producer saying we're going to commercial break. We're I mean, done. it's extremely disconcerting. Um, and so, you know, you have to find a way to package your message in a way that's going to get across quickly and not too technical. And I found it incredibly difficult especially in the beginning because I felt like I was not being um you know if I would if I used shortcuts in terminology or used used a word that wasn't actually technically accurate but 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 conveyed the message you know good enough I felt like you know I had compromised my ethical standards or I had compromised my integrity as an attorney because I said something that you know wasn't technically true but I I didn't have time to tell to say the whole thing so how did you figure that out? So you got that feedback, dumb right. it down, right. you know, realize that you're not speaking to other attorneys, you're speaking yeah. to the to me. Yeah. Right? And, and how how did you then get to the point where you were able to be okay saying it not in right. legal parlance? Right. Or- so I, I would use some um, you know, shorthand phrases where I, I would say you know, now generally speaking, or some, some sort of modifier in the yes. beginning to at least for myself know that you know I wasn't making a statement that I felt was was completely accurate, or saying you know in in some in some instances, or, or just some sort of modifier at the beginning yeah. um, to say to let people know that this wasn't exactly you know how I felt, and then I felt like my writing that helped me expound if, if there was really a point that I wanted to make, I would clarify on Twitter or, or you know, and, and other, I would talk to other lawyers in, in the business too. And um, this is a common, a common theme. You all, you get kind of like beaten down by, by the, the, like the talking point culture. Yes. And you just have these buzzwords that you have to, to, get to get in there. And, um, you know, it's depressing on some level, but they're, there are other ways to achieve uh, more erudite discourse outside of the of the cable news sort of world. Right, that that world. And I guess you you mentioned Twitter. How yes. important is social media and Twitter to you in getting your message across? Right, when so, you say like you sort of clarify. On yeah, Twitter I have or, a love I have a love hate relationship with Twitter. I do think it's kind of an awful, horrible cesspool of just awfulness. But um, I 
it's incredibly look for breaking news you can't you can't beat twitter like you're not waiting for the times to show up on your doorstep the next yes. morning you need to know what's happening right away and in cable news people are literally refreshing their twitter feeds like in the commercial break because your segment changes literally that that quickly i mean you don't know what you're talking about until right up because they want to give you the freshest most late it's so stressful um but it it is it's a sort of a job requirement so um but in terms of like promoting your and it depends what you want to what you want to achieve i'm not like looking necessarily to have a million followers um i'm just sort of looking to do my thing and so you think about it more as when you've said something and you want to clarify it or yes, sort of get into exactly. more on it. Exactly. For people they, that really care. Yeah. And I actually, you know, I have a, I have a small but very vocal Twitter following yeah. um, that I respect. And I, I feel like I feel like I owe them, you know, that if they – I want them to know that I'm, I'm thinking about them. And they – if they're going to listen to me, I mean, I better make it correct. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. fantastic. Now – you said that the news is changing all the time, right? Yes. People are refreshing, and you think you're going in to talk about X, Y, Z, and instead, boom, it switches to ABC. Yep. So what if someone asks you a question to which you don't know the answer, right? You're yeah. there thinking you're talking about one thing, and suddenly it's right. on to something else. How do you handle that? I, I love that question because um, it happens a lot. Yes. I mean, not as much as – not not so much. I mean, t- you generally have an idea of what the sort topic of topic is. you may What's be trending. talking about. Yeah. But, you know, I would say that the answer is something that I've just grown in, in my own personal development over the course of my life. And at this point in my career, I actually feel very comfortable saying that I don't know the answer to that question. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, that would have been so embarrassing to me, you know, the, the, the idea that I would be like a gotcha moment. Oh my gosh, I don't know the answer. Um, you know, as you, as you grow up in this world in, in, in any profession, you realize the more, you know, the more you don't know. And yes. I find it's the, the most, um, intellectually honest people that are willing to say that they don't know the answer to things and you're not going to know the answer to everything. And I, I often find that that gives you more credibility when you're having a conversation with somebody. If you can be vulnerable in that regard, intellectually vulnerable to say, I actually don't know the answer to that question. Um, but a lot of times, I mean, not not to be rude, but sometimes the question is stupid. <laughs> I mean, sometimes sometimes the, the question doesn't make sense. So right, there is know, no real answer. Exactly, and then and then um, other times it's it requires such a level of nuance that it is a just ridiculous question to ask on cable news. It would require it would require yeah. you know a half an hour to just explain exactly. So. That and that's kind of a, a favorite a favorite talking point. People's the the three words you never say on cable news is I don't know. That's what I was trying to figure out. Yeah, because I can understand. I I I have certainly said I don't know. Right. in my business, you right. know, and it's often you know I don't know the answer, but let me get back yes. to you. Now yeah. it would be hard to say that during an interview. I don't know the answer. Let me get back to you. Right. <laughs> yes, that. on the next hour and of programming. So is there a way? Because my guess is also you're not really supposed to shut the conversation no. down, no. and I don't know might. End the conversation, you know, end the discussion. So if you are going to say, I don't know, and you just said those are the three words you're really right. never supposed to say, right. how do you handle, or how do you say, so you, I don't know, while not 
right. never being asked back again. So you 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 do what's called a pivot, yeah. um, which is you know you say, well, I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know the answer to this. And and if it's you know somewhat tangentially related, that just leads you in into your next talking point. But I also think you know it is important to let audiences know that these are very hard questions. And so the idea that you're going to have an answer in 15 seconds and it's going to be yes or no answer is, is just ridiculous. And I off, I often say that, like, you know, this is much more complicated than we're right than the, time the, than, than, than the block that we're, we have, but this is, th- let me give you some, just some data points. Let me give you some insight into how I'm going about thinking about this. This is not the answer, but this is how I'm even beginning to have this conversation in my mind. And is that also how you make sure that you're getting your point across, that people are hearing what you want them to? I, I assume you go in knowing there are certain things you want to address. I used to, I used to do that. I used to go in, but <laughs> I used to go in thinking, these are my three points I want to make, and this is how I'm going to do it. And um, after, you know, the first hundred times that I tried to do that and failed, I realized that that was not a good that, that strategy. <laughs> um, I... So at this point, I mean, I know enough to know what my sort of overarching general beliefs are about certain tough questions. And um, I no longer have sort of talking points that I want to get across because it just wasn't it, – it, it, it did not provide an avenue for organic discussion. Now, nothing on television is organic, but – um, to the extent you can have a real conversation with somebody, I th- I think it helps not to have these like prefabricated talking points in your back pocket. You can really tell on a television segment when somebody is just not even listening to the question, talking past you, just going to say what they want to say. Um, and I find it, I-, I don't like watching that type yeah. of television. It sort of reminds me of, I, I often hear the idea of you want to go in with an agenda, yeah. but then you need to release it. Totally, totally. So yes, exactly. So it's it's a question of, of how you frame it. So certainly, certainly you go in with, you know, ideas about the message in, in general that you want to get across, but it's just too hard to have, you know, pre-planned really points. really try to package exactly. it right into exactly. to whatever they're asking. Yeah. So. I, I've, I've seen these shows before, yeah, and I've noticed that they often get a little heated. They do. And there is maybe some yelling and yes. some, you know, some words thrown around. How do you, because I've seen you do this, I've seen you on these <laughs> shows before, not get heated. I was going to say, oh, you have. <laughs> but I've seen you, like, how do you manage to stay so cool, calm, and collected when it's basically a hurricane yeah. around you? Yeah, it, it really is. And and that's the model to some extent. I would say the first thing I do is I try not to put myself in situations where I know, for example, that that is what the producers are looking for. Yes. Um, oftentimes. Jerry Springer. So, yeah, exactly. No, but like a, like a, like a Tucker Carlson okay. show, for example, or um, a, any show where they are booking two guests of opposite viewpoints, um, you know that the that they just want the fireworks. The and that, that is really good cable. That's like cable news at its best. That's what people love to see. I'm not necessarily so interested in in doing that. It's just not, not it's just not my thing. But okay. <laughs> so I, I like I like a one on one model. Like I really love doing BBC News, for example, where yes. they typically only will have one person talking. Um, the big panels where you can only get like a little, you know, the Brady Bunch yeah, boxes. Exactly. I mean, that there, there's a place for that, but um, you know, 
I, I generally just have a perspective. I think it's funny when people get so, so um, heated. I, I get a lot of, another example, I get a lot of hate mail, for example. When I, really? Yeah, when I, say, when I say things that people don't um, agree with, which, which is fine, but, you know, I, I would, I would I, when people come at me like that on Twitter in a negative light, I always try, actually, if I can salvage the conversation to just um, try to elevate it to like an intellectual conversation about yeah. things, because this is not personal. No. I mean, I don't understand why it has to get personal. I think, and I think most people, when you, especially when you talk about politics, um, want really do feel like their position is the right one yes. for a number of reasons, um, which they think is for the betterment of of many people. So of it's course. like we all want the same goal. Um, Let's, why don't we engage in a conversation like rational adults? And um, actually talk yes. it through. Yes. Now, do you find that the time that you've spent doing this legal analysis on cable news and these discussions you've had, have they shaped the discussions that you're having at home with your husband and your kids and sort of how you're communicating with them, do you yes, think? Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm very um, open with my kids about um, they often will watch me on TV, actually, <laughs> and um, it's it's so th- th- going back to they that message in that. the beginning. They they do, but but they're also like they're kind of over at this point. Right. But um, the idea of knowing your audience and and so like for example, my son Will, who you know, yes. um, was very. I was doing a lot of talking about the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and yeah. Christine Ford, and um, obviously that's a very touchy topic. subject I mean my son is five and my daughter is eight um and so the way but you know the way my husband and I tried to we didn't want to not talk about it in front of the children because it was something that we wanted to talk about and I feel very strongly that kids should be aware and I didn't want to shove it down their throats but no. to the extent that you know it's on the front page of the newspaper and it's it's all and they over could be hearing it at school yes exactly and-, and Adeline my daughter goes to an all-girls school so they were they were talking about it a lot um but so the way we tried to explain it to Will was in just very simple concepts, which is, um, you know, some people think this is good. Some people think this is bad. So th- yes. things, things like keeping that. Is a, yeah, basic. keeping it just completely basic. And then he would say, well, why don't people like Dumb it Brecca? down. <laughs> yeah, dumb <laughs> it down. Exactly. So um, we were very cognizant of wanting to um, engage the kids in that conversation and also, I think kids respect you when they they want to know what you're talking about. Yes. And um, so always, you know, yes, dumbing it down, but then always throwing in, like, I think it's important to talk as much as possible, like you're talking to an adult sometimes with children yes. so that they can elevate their sort of discourse so and figure out. Yeah, bit. stretch a little bit. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I forget, I forget what the, the question was, but I, I, I think it's really important to talk about these things at home with right. your kids. I think it's great. Now, in in one word, oh yeah, I what's the key to acing any conversation? <sighs> acing, I know that. So I have, I have, I can't do, I can't do the one word. Well, so I'm really into right now. I'm really into all this vulnerability research. Yes. You know, Brene Brown. She's very yes. at the forefront of this type of research. And so the word vulnerability is not necessarily the word I would use, but it it indicates a level of open-mindedness. Uh, uh, if, if, you're, if you come to the table in a conversation um, letting the other person know that you are willing to engage with them, willing to see their point of view, 
and not make it personal, but, um, you know, make it intellectual and just think about the arguments. I think that that can help bring some people's guard down. Um, if you can signal to them that, Hey, I'm, I'm, I, I value you enough as a human being and I respect you. I respect your views enough to engage in a conversation with you and to listen and to listen. Exactly. Let's, I mean, I would like to get some information from you and I would hope that you could get some from me as well. And we could each walk away feeling, yes. feeling like we accomplished something exactly. Exactly. in this conversation. Yeah. Well, Caroline Polisi, partner at Pierce Bainbridge, thank you for joining me today. I know we'll all be communicating better after our discussion. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. Now, at the end of the day, planning for all the stages in life is crucial. If you'd like to speak with me, you can reach me at emily.grace at bernstein.com. And if you're interested in learning more about Caroline, you can go to piercebainbridge.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Have a great day. The information contained here reflects the views of Alliance Bernstein LP or its affiliates and sources it believes are reliable as of the date of this podcast. Alliance Bernstein LP makes no representations or warranties concerning the accuracy of any data. There is no guarantee that any projection, forecast, or opinion in this material will be realized. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views expressed here may change at any time after the date of this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Alliance Bernstein LP does not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. It does not take an investor's personal investment objectives or financial situation into account. Investors should discuss their individual circumstances with appropriate professionals before making any decisions. This information should not be construed as sales or marketing material or an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any financial instrument, product, or service sponsored by Alliance Bernstein or its affiliates. The AB logo is a registered service mark of Alliance Bernstein, and Alliance Bernstein is a registered service mark used by permission of the owner, Alliance Bernstein LP, 2018 Alliance Bernstein LP.